It's a gift that the palliative care physicians give to their colleagues who don't have the time or the expertise to sit and talk. Hello everyone and welcome to What's Important to You. What's Important to You is a podcast created by the Montgomery Hospice Center for Learning that gives intriguing insight on end-of-life topics. In each episode, we offer new perspectives on often overlooked end-of-life topics. I'm your host, Beza Gabrihana, and in today's episode, we will be talking about advanced care planning and what happens when we don't have conversations about our healthcare wishes. life, we plan for many things. Things like marriage, children, retirement, vacation, but rarely do we include in those plans how we wish to die. Now, death is an extremely overwhelming topic to think about, much less plan for. However, I think most of us desire for good deaths, and good deaths requires advanced care planning. So how can we start to make plans for the care we want at end of life? Well, today we have invited Dr. Shahid Aziz, who's board certified in pediatrics as well as hospice and palliative medicine, to talk to us about why it's important to have um, conversations about advanced directives and what happens when we don't have those difficult conversations about palliative and hospice care. Dr. Aziz um, is actually one of our pediatric physicians here at Montgomery Hospice and he has talked to patients and their family caregivers about end-of-life decisions um, numerous times in the last 20 years. So it's really an honor to have him here with us. Dr. Aziz, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Um... So let's get started. Um, Why do you think it's important to have conversations about advanced directives and advanced care planning? In my career as a uh, the chair of an ethics committee, uh, all the conversation, the consults that came to us had to do with end-of-life issues. And I realized that uh, we are very good at uh, prolonging life and giving treatments uh, ad infinitum and not giving much uh, uh, thought and care to end-of-life and uh, in the process, uh, causing a lot of pain and suffering by doing uh, treatments uh, that are not really helping the patient get better. I see. So what are some of these life-prolonging treatments um, we're talking about? Can you give us a few examples? Sure. Um, We have patients who have multiple organ failure uh, that uh, are uh, already on life-prolonging treatments. Uh, who, let's say, uh, die, essentially her, their heart stops, and we still resuscitate them in an effort to keep them living, but they're going to be on the machines for a long time. Right. We have had other patients who have been on dialysis uh, in a, st- a state of a coma or semi-coma for months and months, which is, again, treatments that are not going to make them better, uh, their disease better, so that for them to have any meaningful life. So what happens when we avoid conversations about end of life or hospice, uh, hospice care? Yeah, so what happens is that uh, near the end of life, uh, patients uh, who then lose their capacity to make decisions, 
then are dependent upon their family to make decisions for them. And if these conversations have not happened, family does not know what was important to their loved one as to how to live at a minimum level that they would feel is meaningful. And this being such a huge decision, of, uh, especially when it involves uh, having to stop treatments or not give some treatments, uh, that the families feel uh, guilty in uh, saying no to treatments. The patients end up getting treatments that are of no benefit because they are not improving their life and they're not getting to any irrational goals. So something we hear often is that advanced directives and advanced care planning is is only for old age people or we hear that it's for seniors or for patients that are dying. Um, and so what is your take on that? Is um, the conversation about advanced directives appropriate to have with every adult? And um, does that include people who are in good health? No, it's appropriate to have it with uh, every adult because you never know when you're going to lose your capacity to make decisions. Uh, you could be in a in an accident, uh, so trauma is a, is a major component. Uh, you can have a stroke, you can have a, a illness that uh, involves the brain and your thinking. So um, now we consider it as uh, another form of anticipatory guidance uh, for even well patients and uh, these the conversations need to happen with them. Uh, perhaps not in as much detail as you would with somebody who's dying, uh, is it was, you know, near death, uh, but still uh, conversation, what we call advanced care planning, uh, of uh, finding out what their minimum goals would be, uh, at which point they, were, they would still want to be treated, and below that level, they would wouldn't want to be treated. So you said minimum goal. Can you expand on that? What do you mean by minimum goal? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> to try to, if you simplify it, you say, let's say if I was talking to you, I would say at what level of mental and physical functioning you would say that life is still good for me and below which the life is not good for me. And therefore, if I am helping prolong your life mm -hmm. by artificial means, which could be as simple as medication for your heart, or insulin for your diabetes, or antibiotics, or could be some machines and a pacemaker, dialysis, then none of those treatments are doing me any good because I'm not living at my minimum level. So therefore, we would stop those treatments if you're not at your minimum level, mental and physically, that is defined by you, that is acceptable to you, that still being a good life. Yeah, once you define that, let's say you were to define it today, tomorrow you think differently, you can change uh, your mind, you can change your uh, advanced uh, planning and advanced directives at any time. So let's define advanced directives. Can you explain to our listeners what an advanced directive is and maybe how it relates or differs from the Maryland Medical Order for Life-Sustaining Treatment form? Yeah, so advanced care planning is talking about your goals of the future. Uh, advanced directive, most of these advanced care planning or the conversation that one has about what is good for you, valuable to you, what you wish to achieve uh, in, um, uh, in, in terms of living at a minimum level and what things you would not want. So these conversations might lead into a document 
where the patient writes that down so that if he or she cannot make her own decisions, then we would have a document that tells us what their wishes were. And if they're not able to make those decisions, there's going to be someone that they appoint um, right. to make decisions on their behalf. Yeah, so if they cannot make those decisions, then they can appoint ahead of time a healthcare proxy or a power attorney for healthcare decisions is the person who would make decisions for them, medical decisions. This is a person they would have had already talked to and explain what their wishes are and also have him or her agree that they would be able to support him in their decisions and then that, you could, that person can make decisions. If for some reason they did not appoint anybody, then there's a surrogate decision making will occur according to the laws in the different states. Uh, most of the time it's be the next of kin, usually a spouse. If there is no spouse, then the adult children. If there are no adult children, then the parents. If there are no parents, then the closest relative. If there's no relative, then the closest person that they may know. And if uh, none of that is available, then sometimes uh, they may have to be appointed a, a court-appointed guardian. Uh, but in the meantime, essentially the physicians, with the help of the ethics committee, with help uh, decide on what the right thing is to do for that patient. Okay. So in your experience, have you come across family members who don't necessarily see eye to eye or agree with uh, uh, the appointed health proxies decisions and if so how do you deal with challenging family dynamics yes yes you always will have some family members who don't agree that's why it becomes important for the person to have had conversations with their family that's why the conversations are so important and not just a written document and um, so when that happened, then we helped to uh, resolve the conflict between the family to help them see uh, which decision makes more sense. Um, so you said that this is very important. So you at some point described it as a gift that we can give to our loved ones. So what are some strategies you would use to introduce the subject of death <laughs> and death yeah. and dying, it's very... Yeah, so the, um, first let me address the gift issue. It's a gift that the palliative care physicians give to their colleagues who don't have the time or the expertise to sit and talk to them. So when somebody calls me and I help them with their patient in talking about end-of-life issues, this is a gift I'm giving to my colleagues. It's a gift I'm giving to the patient who has capacity because now, having defined what's important to him, his care will be according to his wishes and he will live and die according to his wishes the way he wants, or at least as close to the way he wants. Mm -hmm. It's a gift that the patient gives to their family because now the family knows as to what is important to their loved one, so they will not have to make those uh, decisions uh, and carry the burden of very difficult and hard decisions near the end of life. And by the way, this conversation when you have, it's really a conversation about life and living as to how one wants to live 
at a minimum level at which they would say, even though I can only talk to my loved ones and not be able to walk and not be able to make any decisions, this is still important to me. So it's about living at a minimum level because we all know that this life is going to end one day. We all are going to get there. So that journey we all are going to have to take. So this conversation is preparing for the journey to so that it is as good as possible at the end. Because because without this, other people will make decisions and you may be led in ways that are very hurtful, painful, and really not in your control. Mm -hmm. So this gives you some control, at least at the end of life. So it's very important to, to have a convers the conversation. The so conversation, Can absolutely. you give us some strategies as to how we could Introduce the subject. Well, there are multiple ways to do it. One is you could go home and say, my physician said I need to have this conversation with you because it is important. Uh, you could say, you are very important to me. Let's say you're talking to your father. You say, you know, Dad, you're very important to me. And you're getting older, and one day is going to come that we're going to lose you. We're all going to go one day. But if it happens that you are unable to make your decisions, I want to know what is important to you. So can we talk about that so that I don't have the burden or guilt on me of making those decisions? As a father, you could say the same thing to your children, that you want to talk to them so that if perchance they have to make decisions, they will know what was important to me as the father. So as we have kind of established, talking to patients about hospice and palliative care could be extremely challenging. And um, many physicians um, use different strategies to break the bad news about hospice. And one that's very popular is the SPIKE method that I can think of, which is an acronym for the, the six-step uh, strategy for delivering bad news. I'm curious to hear, as a physician, how do you talk about hospice. Okay, so um, <clears throat> first, uh, let's say I'm doing a consult on a patient in the hospital as a palliative care consult uh, that I've been called by an attending in, in consultation. So my, my usual way of uh, explaining to the patient as to what I do as a palliative care physician is, I say that I am a additional support to their doctors and I help with some of the pain management, if they ask. But my big role is to help the patient, the doctors and the families in decision-making. So my job is to help you with your difficult decisions now and in the future, to give you the reasons why, let's say a choice A would be better than a choice B, so that you would understand and so that you would be at peace that the right things are being done for you and your loved one. So I'm going to help you see the big picture. I'm going to help you define goals for the future. I'm going to help you see what treatments would help you get to your goals and what treatments would not, and what treatments may actually provide more harm than not. And then if I feel the patient is appropriate for hospice, then I usually say, okay, it looks like now our goals of treatment are shifting from aggressive curative treatments to 
perhaps only comfort treatments. And what we can do is keep you from having to come back to the hospital all the time, but send a team of health professionals, which includes a doctor, nurse, social worker, chaplain, and a volunteer to your home and help the caregiver in the home take care of you at home. And we can manage the medications. Um, we can also help with the psychosocial issues and stresses that this kind of illnesses bring, not just for you, but also for the family. So this is a team effort that's going to help take care of you and the family. And in addition, you have 24-7 availability to the nurse by phone and also a physician as a backup so that anytime you have any questions, they can be answered. Since if you are over 65, this is also covered by Medicare. So what do you think if we were to provide the service to you? And when patients say, that sounds really good, I say, okay, by the way, that is what this hospice is. Okay, so this is what hospice services are. So, you so that's how I usually introduce. Yeah, I usually don't say, oh, how would you like to go to hospice <laughs> uh, to start with that? But explain what it is and why it is good. I also say that we know that patients in hospice live better and live longer than those they are not. So your end of life is as good as possible. Um, I also say the goals now since are not necessarily to cure and prolong life, but whatever time you have left to make it as good as possible, as long as possible, that's what hospice is. So you're basically tackling the fear of the H word, right. which is hospice, and not by, by not bringing hospice to, be, to begin with and explaining the services, it just makes it easier even just listening to you Correct. right now. Uh, it's really good palliative care where your time now is short. So one last question, what would you say for someone who's still hesitant and isn't really ready to have a conversation, one thing that you would encourage them to do right now? Because I would say that uh, I would like them to think about it. They don't have to have the conversation today. And I would ask them to know that there's no guarantee that we'll have this capacity to make decisions tomorrow. I would say that since we don't know when we're going to lose the capacity to make decisions, the earlier this is done, the better. It's important for them to know that they can change their mind anytime and read about the reasons why it's important to do it now and how to do it. And maybe that will make you think about it and then you will be able to have these conversations. Thank you so much, Dr. Aziz. I could not agree with you more. Um, so there you have it, folks. It is never too soon to start the conversation about advanced care planning. As Dr. Aziz emphasized in this podcast, the ramifications of not having our healthcare wishes known can be really detrimental. So if you haven't completed the advanced directives, maybe this podcast would um, encourage you to do so now. If not, maybe you would start considering identifying that person who can make decisions on your behalf and start talking to them about what's important to you so that they are aware. A huge thanks to Dr. Aziz for sharing his insight with us. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What's Important to You. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, please consider leaving us a, a review. You can also write to us at www.mhcenterforlearning at gmail.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to listen to our previous episodes, you can do so by visiting our website at www.montgomeryhospice.org. We have a great lineup for you there. Thanks again for joining us today.